start using cutting-edge warp speed 5G technology with your cell phone. Let me tell you about my friends at MobileMobile.io. They have an ultra-fast 4G LTE and 5G network that covers 99% of Americans. So they've got you covered everywhere. Think about it for a moment. You have the opportunity to take a test drive for 10 days with unlimited talk, text, and premium data. What is premium data? Premium data is an allotment of a cellular data that you receive from a higher priority on the network. You won't get throttled like you will with some of those, well, non-brand service providers. To find out more information, all you have to do is go to mobilemobile.io. That's mobilemobile.io to start your 10-day free trial. This, 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 this show is brought to you by Safety FM. Well, hello and welcome to the Jay Allen Show. Hopefully everything is good and grand inside of your neck of the woods as we begin this lovely Tuesday. That's, of course, if you're listening to this on a Tuesday. Of course, as you are aware, we are a radio show and a podcast, so you can listen to us at pretty much any time. Well, let's get started and start talking about what we have going on today. Of course, we talk always about the subject of safety, or at least a good chunk of the times. But today, I have the privilege of speaking to Eric, the host of Empowered Life Hacks. Yeah, we're going to go down some paths today, talking a little bit about everything. So sit back, relax, and take a listen to this version of The Jay Allen Show with our guest, Eric, right now. The Jay Allen Show is streaming now on SafetyFM.live. <laughs> well, of course, but I mean, um, it was still a nice gesture, I feel. <laughs> Hold on. You're the one that's going around interviewing all kinds of people all over the place. What are you talking about? I, I see your stuff. I see you posting on YouTube. So, I mean, if anything, it's an honor to be with you. Thank you. No, I'm being dead serious. Don't thank me. I'm being dead serious here. <laughs> I love I love the mindset. Uh, humble leadership at its finest, isn't it? <laughs> I don't have leadership. I have I don't have hardly any of that. I was looking at your LinkedIn. <laughs> I mean, I'm actually excited to dig in because I had some ideas I was going to touch on today, and I really like that you had that customer service operational kind of almost a sales background, and you marrying it with Hop almost because I feel I was listening to Todd's podcast, and that guy you suggested me, Brett Sutton, he was on it. And Todd came to the conclusion. So you're saying by selling learning teams, we actually use conversation. Like we'll say conversation is the main value. Um, that's the value of it. And I thought it was interesting. They were talking about value. How do we deliver value? Um, and I think it's a cool thing to talk about because of my sales background today in EHS tech. And that's all I do is I talk to VPs of safety, higher level people, and I have to relay them the value of something that matters like nothing to them at all. Well, that's the interesting part because you are bringing this up. So let's start talking about it. The interesting side is that you get to talk to some pretty interesting people as you have some different discussions. So where did the love of safety come about for you? So um, basically, the love of safety didn't come. Like, <laughs> didn't come. I love how that starts off. <laughs> well, I actually didn't want to even really learn about it. <laughs> what happened was 
people always said, Eric, you're very personable. Like, why don't you consider sales? And I always looked at like Wolf of Wall Street and I thought, I don't want to be in Wolf of Wall Street. I hate that. Yeah. (laughs) I hate that stuff. And I had like five people tell me, um, especially in the restaurant industry. And I thought, okay, let me observe and look into it. And apparently there's a whole consultative section to sales and I like software. So, um, I found it's a very good progressive culture. <laughs> Great reviews. That's why I went there. And I was so desperate for the job. I was so happy about the reviews. I just learned everything I could and I killed the interview, right? I was talking about ergonomics I knew very little about and just various health and safety <laughs> things. And my boss bought it, right? And he hired me. And um, from there, what I realized- Hold on. To- you are aware that there might be a possibility they're going to listen to this, oh, right? That's that totally you- <laughs> cool. <now. laughs> I'm, I'm super into it now. And the reason I'm into it was because I started learning that I'm not selling technology. I'm selling what technology can do. And not only that, I'm basically bridging the gap between technology and humans. So I have to learn about these humans. And the more I started learning about the humans themselves, I started becoming passionate because I invested the time to learn about them. And before about I know these it, humans themselves, I mean, are you kind of putting yourself <laughs> in a different category? I'm not sure what's going on here. Well, almost it was very detached. Like I felt like when I would talk to safety people, I thought I was similar to them in many ways. But the more I looked into it, I knew nothing about their life. I knew nothing about their day. I knew nothing about their struggles. And I'm trying to call people and I'm not getting the interaction I want, but I know nothing about them. So I had to start having conversations. And that's when I really started enjoying the whole hop idea because I've been groomed a certain way as a leader to think a certain way and speak a certain way. Not that it was very militant, but it was very um, relationship-based. And there was a lot of learning team type stuff. So Mm -hmm. when I started seeing what makes resilient organizations thrive and what made us prosper during the pandemic and pivot so well, I mean, the parallels are clear to me. So that's when I doubled down on this. (laughs) So as you you look at it, though, there, there has to be some interesting things. So it's not something that you cared about at the beginning. You like it now. Of course, I'm sure it pays well in regards to what it does. But have you noticed as you're going in and speaking to different people, it's almost to an extent like you're talking about religion. It is different religion based on wherever that person's actually at. It could be behavior-based safety. It could be lean. It could be hop. What do you think about it, especially when you have to have the different conversations and be able to adjust, especially with what you're doing? Well, I'm a passionate person, and passionate people tend to, especially when they like something, go in a little too heavy. So I got humbled a lot where I would be like, BBS, hop, oh, lean, six, oh, what you got to do? And, and I'm just expressing myself. And I've been grateful that I've met some people. One particular, Tamara Paris, she introduced me to a bunch of people. And I noticed now looking back, she was biting her tongue, not really biting it, but she saw me growing. So she was very patient with me. The reason I go here was because I think I can relate to the dogma because I jumped in it right away. Where I was like, BBS is like this, hop, you guys got to start seeing what I'm seeing. But the more I looked into it, it seemed like both people want good outcomes. Um, Just how they go about it is a bit different, and they both seem a bit necessary. Like, to understand systems, you have to see how behaviors are influenced. So I don't think it's bad to look at those behaviors. But as Sidney Decker said in the Safety Differently movie, it's not about who and why, because that pushes the brain to blame. It's what and how. And that changed me fundamentally after seeing that. Um, how I look at things. I've always very systemic the way I look at things. But after that, I really started saying, I do say a lot of why and who questions. Those are wrong questions, right? But but here's the interesting part. You've been doing this a little over a year in regards with the organization that you're with. Oh, so a little over a year now, yeah. <laughs> right, but but you're, you're mentioning this stuff and you're taking these deep dives. 
And nothing against where you're at, so I don't want it to come across the wrong way. Yeah, yeah. Eric is great, and he's going to be with for a long period of time. Please understand. But what's the goal? What is it that you're wanting to accomplish? Because you're taking some dives into, into some subjects when, when people take in these dives, they normally try to go other places. So what are you trying to accomplish? Uh, so I have this written. Uh, typically, when <laughs> if you need to this, censor it, I can censor it. Be like, no, no. this mark needs to be edited. No. <laughs> can, can we cuss on here? Can I draw some MF you, bombs? And no, I'm joking. You, you, you can say whatever you want. Um, well, I'll put it like this. So basically what I'm trying to do now is embed myself in a way of thinking that I try and help as many people as I can through the few. So how I do that in my podcast, Empowered Life Packs, is when I talked to people about what safety people find as the most profound experiences in their life. It was never in school. Mm -hmm. It was never once. I haven't had one person, and mind you, I've had people that know they wanted to be an industrial hygienist in like elementary school. They never said that it was, (laughs) I'm telling you. So what was the profound experiences though? (laughs) I don't know, right? Who wants to do all the benzene? Uh, Uh, But uh, all jokes aside, I mean, what they've told me was profound experiences with people and mentors who gently guided their mind in a direction. And that was the profound shift. Or it was a higher knowing or their own self giving them a perspective that they didn't think was there. And I'll tell you a trend I'm seeing actually. A trend I'm seeing is this. People often are telling me a big shift they had was when uh, GM came and he started looking at safety as marketing. He's like, guys, we have to market. I don't care how you see safety. Marketing, guys. And he changed the, this airline fundamentally. Another one was a gentleman who's the director for an oil and gas company out in Texas. I said, what was the most profound change in you? Like, it was one thing you can tell me that I can relate to a safety professional that they would be like flabbergasted. And he's like, Eric, the single most thing I've learned was I started looking at every buddy is a customer in my business. I don't care. I was employed by this company, you know? And another one was, um, even funny enough, I was speaking to, uh, she was the head safety, um, personnel for this food and beverage organization in New York. You and have she, this down to so packed in regards to how you don't give <laughs> names of companies. You, yeah. You've done this a couple of times. Well, the reason I do <laughs> is because I've interviewed a lot of people and some ghosted me after and they disclosed very private information. And I realized I always wanted their anonymity to be at my forefront so I can have these conversations. So <laughs> anyways, but this woman was so enjoying this experience and she kept being like, she's really loving the salesiness of this interaction, but there's nothing salesy about it. And at the end of the conversation, she was like, Oh, uh, you, you remind me of myself. And I was like, uh, yeah, I mean, you're very personable. I could tell you'd be great in sales. She's like, can you tell I was an engineer? <laughs> I don't usually equate like engineers with, with strong sales capabilities. But the beautiful thing is I think there's this rise and this embrace and being able to sell the value of safety because it has often, I think, been understood as something separate from what we do on an everyday basis. So for me, in terms of where I would like to go with this, my vision is I would like to share the skills I've learned to position a technology that no one cares about to CEOs and CFOs and say, I don't even want to see the competitors. I want that guy. Like, I want to teach people that skill set. I'm only getting better. So we'll see when the time comes. But as of now, I like using technology as a pseudo way to talk about hop-based ideas. They think they're talking about technology. I'm explaining them how they can have a learning team. They're talking about Kappas. I'm talking about how they can engage the janitor and finally hear his perspective so he's not grumpy every morning. So well, it's, kind of, it's interesting that you bring that up because it's high reliability organizations that do the tie-in to this. And if you kind of take a look at how systems are built out in regards of computer programming, 
Mm-hmm. Not a lot of difference on some of the similarities to Hop. I mean, if you kind of go back to core messaging, and I'm sure that you have based on what you're telling me, yeah. you, you you realize that it's a nuke aspect of the whole thing, especially when you start looking at volume one, volume two, as you're going through the whole journey. So as you're doing this and you're moving forward and you've done several different things, so about a year, three months, give or take, you've been do, you've been taking the deep dives, but about a year into it or 11 months, you say, let's do... um." empowered life hacks why all of a sudden turn to the podcasting world well i was actually part of a group of people i met through this meditation group uh there's an individual named om swami uh, he offers some perspectives that transform me and i like him because he's like found his uh, awakening through religious stuff but he completely smashes that he's like this isn't practical for you by the way <laughs> let me tell you what i've learned going this path and uh, anyways i met a bunch of great people and we're just like hey let's do acts of kindness in, in our community. So we do like mitten drives at my school from back in the day, or we, we try and organize these food drives and try and do all kinds of stuff. But then COVID happened and we were actually planning to help the elderly, right? So we can't do that, of course, with COVID high risk. So what we did is I said, we had an individual who's passionate about the youth. He's a very successful multimillionaire. And he's like, you know what, Eric, the youth, I'm telling you, they're, they're the fundamental future and they are not, they're struggling right now. So I'm like, the easiest way is just to get them content. Guys, this is the easiest thing we've ever done. I can sit on my ass at home and we can just find meaningful content. So the whole premise was where I felt I missed out in school was they didn't teach me the skills that I had to learn so hardly on my own. I didn't know how to read books fundamentally and make that fun and interesting. I never did. I actually struggled in university. Why? Because I don't remember Jack from it. I just regurgitated <laughs> the information, right? I did decent. The, the information's leaving me after the test. <laughs> it literally, that's what happened. I, I, didn't, I didn't know the value of conversations so I can really learn how work can be done in my workplace and how the power structures in my organization. I didn't learn that skill. I didn't learn how to role play to make boring things more fun. And that's everything we talk about. But not only that, when I look you're, at you're, it, you're giving away the trade secrets that everything <laughs> that we talk about is boring. I mean, did I say that out loud? <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the thing. What I try to do is it's funny because I'm trying to enhance human beings so they can perform better in their life and organizations. And I try and help organizations perform better so they can enhance their people. So basically, my purpose is to make people connected to new ideas new people and see a different version of themselves, right? So as long as I'm doing that, that's how Empowered Life Hacks, that's why I'm passionate about it because I'm getting people, human beings on both fronts now. Like they can't run from me, basically. <laughs> I'm well, going to help try, you. I'm, I'm trying to figure this out because you essentially have three jobs and let's talk about this. Yeah. You're a lifelong learner. You work, but you are so active on social media. It's not even funny, at least what I see on LinkedIn. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So how are you pulling this off? Because you have... Are you using some of your some of your software to kind of help you work out on the LinkedIn stuff? I mean, but there's so much detail on when you make a post or comment on someone's post. You're you must be spending all kinds of time doing all three things. Yeah, I do. I don't play games, and I actually try not to post during work hours. And by the way, my work today my was I was posting all day because my mechanic was taking forever, and I told my boss, "I'm like, I'm taking a day off," and now I felt better just commenting all day. But um, yeah, so. It is a third job. I never really thought of it, but it doesn't seem like a job because, uh, I mean, what is spirituality? Essentially, like for me, I'm a person who likes, I embrace human connection. I don't take it for granted, you know? Um, And when I see someone giving their sincere effort, now I really close my eyes and just try and be like, wow, like that person can die tomorrow. Like that's a person that had all kinds of stuff happen to them and they're here trying to live their best life and engage with people. Like I want to be that person 
spend five minutes and be thoughtful. And that can not only change him, change the way he may do something, maybe add a synchronistic event that can help him or have someone read that and say, I want to engage with his content. Or a third option, change an unsuspecting person. And then like, that's my whole thing is like, I like optimizing performance. And that's part of my, my whole social media shtick too, isn't just so empowered life hacks get visibility. Truthfully, it's, it's a pain in my ass. <laughs> empowered life hacks. I like when people like it, but doing all the backend stuff isn't fun. The best part is when I get to comment when it's all done. That's when I find my fulfillment is through conversation and having someone reach out to me and saying, wow, that really helped me, you know, but I, I don't like a lot of this stuff. I don't like, I don't like prospecting. I hate getting hung up on, but I love it when today I talked to a VP of safety, uh, a VP of safety, very large company. I've been hard time getting pressed time with him. And I finally got him on the phone. I'm like, listen, Sonia, I know you're just give me a second here. Do you have a minute? He said, sure. I said, you know, this is basically how I interface with people. This is the value they bring. And Jay, do you know what the value I said we bring? I didn't say anything about features. I said, we help people in their organizations feel more connected. We help people have better conversations. And we help HR and quality finally feel like they're spoken to and everyone can communicate on a level playing field. So if you give me to someone lower level, I'll take 18 to six, six to uh, 18 hours to build a presentation for you. And I always get a good response. And he said, Eric, I talk to people every day. You're really good at what you do. I appreciate you. I'll give you this guy. You know, and, and that's kind of what drives me is like, I, I know I fail a lot, but I know when I get connected to the people, I don't care what people think of me because I have a good purpose and I have a good mission and I'm unwavering with that. That's pretty well, much what drives me. But what the things that drive you are also trying to, to enhance and betterment. I mean, let's just be mm -hmm. realistic. You're trying to make someone better, an organization better, but it's not just by the work that you do. It's also by the conversations that you have, the posts that you make. What do you think actually kind of got you to that point where you wanted to drive forward and do that? Because you're kind of trying to make everything around you better. Is it the spiritual, the spiritual journey that you went down? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's just life has blessed me in so many ways. Uh, I came a long way. Maybe I'll talk about it another day. But um, what do you mean? Maybe we're already here <laughs> now. <laughs> well, you know, we all have our, our troubles. And it's just honestly, I wasn't that disciplined. Uh, in my life, just based on my own tendencies. And some people like food, you know, some people like various other things. And I'll just say I'm in the various other things. Call them, my friend. I'll stay up late. And so, uh, so, so what are the various <laughs> other things? We're here now. We're, we're already in open forum. No one's listening. It's just you and I. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, you know, pretty much just, uh, we'll just say other things at that. But my point is I had uh, tendencies that I had to overcome. But I found when you suffer with other people, right, and you come out of that, I had real relationships with people that were of a different life that were also suffering with me. And I saw great potential in them. I, so much so, I still go back to these people. And I pray for them. And I help them out. And I get them to where they're in a better place, where they get that job. Because I don't stop there. And once I s realize that I have the gift of communication, I'm very good at it. But I also have heart. I'm like, I have... I don't want to be on... I honestly didn't want to be on social media. I don't want fame. I never wanted that. But... Life just kept putting me in these positions where I honestly just have to now. And I embrace and I said, you know what, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to go full out and I'm going to impact people. Like I'm not going to play around. And I know that people are busy and I know I have to be concise. And Todd's podcast, I know I referenced him before. When I saw his was only 25 to 30 minutes, that's when it went off. I'm like, whoa, that's what I'm going to do, right? Not that I, I like long form podcasts, but my job is to empower people with very short attention spans with many ideas so they get one idea and practice it. 
So I need, it has to be short. So I basically married the idea of me wanting to help people, me seeing the light in people that maybe other people don't, and me having to be concise and teaching them real world things that they're not going to find elsewhere typically. And based on that, I try and empower people through simple ideas. That's it. Just conversation and ideas and then get them out of here. I don't care if they never hear from me again. <laughs> I, you know, I just want them on and trying something. That's pretty much my, my goal. This is The Jay Allen Show. Hey, have you ever wanted to hear what's going on around in the world of safety and you're not able to do so? Have you ever wanted to take a listen to what exactly is going around in the world of safety? What if we called that thing Around the Safety Pod? And we told you month over month what is happening in the mix. Would you care to know what would it be worth to you? Now, here's the fun part. Besides that you can find out exactly what's going on inside of the world of safety, there's also other information available there. Stuff that you can start using as early as today. How about you give us a look? Go to our website, safetyfmplus.com. That's safetyfmplus.com to find out what exactly is going on inside of the world of safety, around the world of safety, and inside of the world of safety. And don't forget to tell them that Jay Allen sent you. I'll see you on the other side. Make sure to join the revolution. And we are back on the Jay Allen Show on Safety FM. Well, I mean, and I think that you're accomplishing what you're wanting to do. And I, I will tell you, I think Todd's podcast is one of the better podcasts that I've ever heard. He knows that I've told him that personally. I think, I like I tell most people, my first hundred episodes is my love letter to Todd Conklin <laughs> in regards to how great I think he actually is. But I've, I've been lucky enough to tell him in person on several occasions. But as you look at this and you talk about, you know, there's certain things you don't want to bring up. And I understand that. Mm -hmm. But what I also think about is also there's people that are out there that could be taking a listen at this moment. And they might see themselves in a place where they don't see that there's light at the end of the tunnel. Mm -hmm. Could you discuss that on how you were able to overcome? It doesn't have to be necessarily what it was, but how you were able to overcome and be able to move forward. Well, I mean, like, look, I'll just say this. It was definitely parting oriented. And I just have to remain humble because with the way my mind is and I understand my the way my mind is, I'm a very nuanced individual, right? So I, You're street I, smart. Just put yeah, it that way. We I can say that. Street, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I do have a, quite a bit of street smarts. Um, and I just have to retain a level of humbleness and, and, and mindfulness when, when speaking now. That's just how I have to live my life. So that's why I'm always very careful <laughs> in case you're um, – but, yeah, I mean, I mean, at one point you just kind of think like, you know, I wasn't going to kill myself, but I just felt like, you know, why not though? You know, like when you're very in, in, in a lull, you just look at yourself in the mirror and what really hurts you is time. I used to think it was the things I did, but it's just because it's like time you just don't get back, really. You know, or you're looking in the future and, and you feel like you can't recuperate some of that lost time. That was my biggest thing. But then it got to a point where I was just sitting there and I'm like, well, if you're going to just feel like you're going to die, you may as well live. Like if you like, you may as well just do the goo. If I want to wear underwear on my head, I may as well do it at this point. I literally about, I feel like just off in myself. Like this is ridiculous, you know, but mind you, this was like seldom one times. That wasn't a lot of times I felt that way, but there were certainly times where I just felt like I'm not going to improve. Like I keep making the same errors. Um, you know, my parents are maybe not feeling the best of my behavior. They're definitely physically looking different from just being worried about me. I have friends that no longer talk to me. You know what I mean? I'm not the person that I want to be. Yet, I have people tell me, Eric, you're one of the smartest people I've ever met. Eric, you do things that are so kind. Wow, you're such a great dude. And I just trying to marry this 
uh, savage version of myself I've become and the beauty that people see in me. And honestly, it's just like, I think whatever people believe in, I don't care whether it's Buddha or Jesus or, but for me, it's just something came and, and picked me up out of my sheets and said, like, I got you, don't worry. Um, but you're going to have to start making some steps to help yourself because I can't do everything. Um, but and how, how long do you feel that that translation, that transition took? I mean, and I always know that it's an ongoing program yeah. when you start thinking about it, especially when you start talking about suicide and depression and things along those lines, it's always ongoing because you struggle with it day to day. But as you look at it, how do you think, how long did it take you for that transition to occur? Where, I mean, I still know that most people that go through this still struggle. I'm not saying that it goes away, but where did you start seeing incremental improvements that it, it was night and day difference? It was never a night and day difference. Now it is. Okay. Okay. I mean, today I had an instance where I was eating breakfast, waiting for my car. It's funny you say that. And I was looking at this place I had to go that I didn't really want to go uh, at the time. And I'm just like, holy moly. Like, look at where you're at. You got a good job, you know, a clean car, clean house. You got some money saved. You have friends, family. You have purpose, mission. Like, when you were at that location back in the day, that wasn't. That was just trouble going on there. That wasn't a good old time. And that felt like a night and day difference looking at those mm -hmm. moments. But when I look at the journey, it was very drawn out. It was like sometimes I would take five steps, for 30 steps forward. Wow, look at that guy. He's doing great. 50 million steps back. Mm -hmm. Like who the heck is that guy? How did that happen, right? So, I mean, it was a very drawn out process, but something that helped me is people's involvement with me directly and people's prayers for me. Now I'll say this. I, I don't know how people feel, but I mentor some people now of all ages, of all backgrounds. Um, not because I reached out to them, but it's just how life brought them to me. And I teach them my methods for dealing with people. My, I take a I do basically like my own ISO audit on my life every night <laughs> <laughs> and I pray for people. Um, and I, I tell people like, you know, when you can't do something that you like when you're trying to control too much, I don't care what you believe in. But if you want a power in your life, you turn it up and see what happens. I say I always tell people, be skeptical. I'm not telling you this will work for you. I'm saying, say, Eric, you're full of you're full of whatever and try it. I cuss me out and then try this. And almost every time they come back, I got the job I wanted. I got out of this industry that was crippling me. You know what I mean? I've been able to make that amends I wanted to make. I'm better at communicating now because of this. I, I, I told a story the other day. There's a woman I know. She is a traffic controller for a construct hard worker, man. I, I'm like, you should be doing like she's getting there. But my point is she was getting a crap from her foreman that she knew back in the day. Horrible. Just get, and she's like, why am I getting cussed out? I, I, I'm, I'm worried people are going to get ran over. I can only do so much. And she was like, Eric, I'm hearing people talk about this dude. And he's looking like he's going to be get canned. And what I told her is that from my experience, this can be a reflection of fear and upscale pressure from senior management. So give him a shot. But it wasn't relenting so much so that um, it was looking like people were going to leave. Isn't that crazy? So what I told her was like, you know what? You can always try and pray for the dude, but don't pray for the outcome you want. Pray for his well-being. And I told her a uh, cautiously optimistic prayer where anyways. So what the cool thing about this is, so hear this out. She told me another instance with this dude. Guess what? I wrote her back. I can read it. I said, man, this guy needs to get fired. <laughs> she was like, no, 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 I don't want that. I'm going to try that thing. Thing you told me about the whole prayer. 
Sure enough, she goes back to work. One guy, machine operator, 10 years walked off the site. Cussing. I can't deal with this dude. I'm out. And she's like, oh my God, I didn't pray for this. (laughs) (laughs) But guess what happened? After this, that humbled him. He became more kind. They were working from 7 in the morning to 10.30 to 12.30 at night. Isn't that crazy on a Friday? Right? Well, a crazy period doesn't have to do anything with a Friday. (laughs) Yeah. But Mm -hmm. listen to the beautiful thing. This week, they're working earlier hours. This week, he's thanking her a lot. Now, mind you, we don't know the catalyst. The funny thing about hop and conversations is you can't measure often the change. It just happens, isn't it? So is with prayer. We can't say that she prayed for this dude and now he's kinder. But I will tell you this. Everything was going off the Richter. People are leaving the company. And then the night before she prays, they leave early. Huh? What? And she's getting thanked the whole week. Now, say what you want. What I, what I just don't want to dismiss in anything is that there's a spiritual component. To, to what we do as people. Uh, and I'll tell you this, Jay, what is funny. I, I'll tell you this. I did pray for you that day you invited me to be on your podcast randomly. I just pray for random people. I, I thought nothing of it, very short prayer. And then I saw your podcast and I was just so, I don't know what it was, but I was so captivated by your humanity. Like, who you were as a person, I was like laughing my ass off. I'm like, this dude, well, I, this guy's amazing. I'm definitely going to follow this podcast from now on. And I remember thinking, you deserve that comment. Like that comment was for me, but I'm like, I want people to know how engaging that podcast was. Now, funny enough, the morning that I pray for you and I listen to your podcast and I giggle and laugh my ass off and, and you're so engaged and learn so much and comment, you invite me on your show. What are the chances of that? So I'm just trying to tell people like, you know, I, I can say a lot about what I stand for and things that work for me and my wish. And, but I also hope to bring a spiritual component to what we do because often safety people have to put out so many fires and have so many hats. You try and control everything, but you just can't. Sometimes you have to surrender and leave it to life to help you. So when you look at this then, do you think that there's hop components to spirituality? Completely. Completely. And I, I honestly have like 16 behind the scenes interviews I did with people tying this together. And it's just looking at me and I don't want to sift through the data, but <laughs> I was going to tie anybody want to do this out there, please do. But yeah, I do see it directly correlate because if you think about kindness, being kind is essentially an outcome like love is. If a child sees his dad hit his mom and after apologize and say, I love you, there's a good chance he's going to do that and feel he's expressing love. Right. But love is an outcome. Same with kindness and hop is a philosophy that produces that outcome. So it's hard to unmarry the two. Um, And when you look at what kindness is, it's essentially a risk assessment. For example, if a woman's crying and she's a stranger and I go hug her and then she shudders because she's been abused when she was younger and she doesn't like to be touched, I ruined her week. I tried to be kind. My risk, my JHA was like, person sad, hug, (laughs) remove PPE mask, (laughs) throw it in the garbage, right? Like, no. So, So essentially, like, it is inherently... Um, it's, it's embedded in, in another, you can't replace it. It's, it's there. And the beautiful thing about kindness is there's so much evidence to show the value of kindness. There's obviously the scientific evidence of hot, but there's also scientific evidence of what kindness does to people, what kindness does to organizations. So there's a whole body of evidence to support its value undeniably. Well, it's interesting that you bring that up because I'm going to say, hmm, give or take about a month ago, I was having a conversation with someone and they said that they went to a church and the principles that were brought up during the church service was the seven principles of hop, very similar to what Tony Mashera. Yes. And he was referencing that that's what the service was about, which was pretty amazing. So I bring this up to kind of go to another portion, mm-hmm. still talking about the same thing. Of course. Do you think that we need to do something where we're focusing more on humanity 
when we go into organizations to speak to them, opposed to just going directly into the safety side or even kind of tying some of the spirituality into it? It's the audience. Your, uh, it's your opinion. That's no, the great no, thing no, about no. it. <laughs> it. It is. Well, it's funny. I actually, well, again, I won't name these people, but I've been introduced to some people uh, that are quite known in the industry, and I talked to them about my idea. And what they said is just like from an executive, I find safety people love this. Anytime I talk about this, they're like, yeah, yeah, you're right. Like they're like, whoa, I didn't see that perspective. I've had people told me they didn't see this perspective, but you see it. I see it. But it's just funny how many, many people actually don't. And the idea is that it depends on your audience. Um, I was speaking to someone about total worker health, and uh, I'm not too nuanced with the particulars, but after a conversation, I, I opened up the document and she asked me like, Eric, you said you see some challenges with implementing something like this. And we're, total worker health often is a philosophy as much as the procedures in there from what I see. But um, I was telling her, like, just based on reading Ro- Rosa's book um, on relationship factor and safety leadership, and I'm like, you got to really think, like, it's all fine and dandy, but do you think they're going to see the value in you taking time and having these conversations? How do you know you have a supervisor saying we're doing total worker health now. And when you leave, he's going to be having those conversations you want him to. There's no way to measure or monitor that. And they can chicken scratch the data. So how are you selling the value of conversations? And it's very difficult. So what I say is like, you have to be ready for productivity gains. You have to be ready to share financial gains. You have to be ready to share reputational gains, right? You have to be ready to, learn whatever they consider important results. And what I do is I have something known as Salesforce. And when I speak to people, they say, my director of quality, my VP of global regulations and quality. I'm like, it's how I pull information is I say, so I can refer to him by his first name and not call him by a role. Can, can I just get his first name? And I start building this archetype in my mind. I ask what he thinks, how he feels about them, how often they interact with that individual. What are three to two questions he asks himself or asks you to know that he's doing a good job? And then from there, I know the ROI and I'll spend six to 18 hours again building a presentation for that guy. And then him saying, I want to speak to that kid. And that's, I think that's a skill many safety people have that they, I don't think they're utilizing to their full capability based on the fear I hear from them being like, Eric, I'm working nine to nine. I can't do training and safety data sheet management. I can't update these. And I'm so screwed. And then me giving them a solution and then literally coming back to me, Jay, rebuttaling themselves. It's like, well, we don't need it. No, no, we're okay. Uh, try, don't, do you know what? Do you know what? It's going to be too hard. Wait, Eric, do you know what? I got to talk to my president. Can you help me? And they have a bipolar episode in front of me. And I realize <laughs> this is fear of not being able to sell the value properly. That's it. And obviously the power structure being hurt. But the biggest thing is knowing your audience, Jay. You can sell kindness if you talk about it the right way. You can sell hop if you talk about it the right way, but you can damage your reputation if you talk about it the wrong way. And that's people's biggest fear, in my opinion. Well, Eric, it's kind of interesting. You know, I'm going to go back to something that you said at the very beginning on when we first started. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. When people told you about going into sales and you turned it into, you compared it to the Wolf of Wall Street. If you kind of think about the movie and just go through the example of the breakdown that you just gave. I'm just saying, but there's some similarities there. Yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure. (laughs) But here's the, here's the other portion and Mm -hmm. don't get me wrong. I'm just going to say this. This is normally not something that I say on the air, but I'm going to share it with you. Yeah, do it. Why are you not a motivational speaker going around teaching people how to do this? Well, this is my vision is that I've spoken to over 250 organizations since if I were to work for health and safety for an organization, I wouldn't interface with so many different problems. Right. So the idea is I don't sell software. 
I sell a conversation. And I learn so much every day. And the more I learn about Hop, I'm just bought a bunch of books. I bought the book you recommended about learning teams from Brett. I, I've got another one coming from Ed uh, Shine. And I'm just like, I'm going to just learn so much that I'm going to pseudo sell these people, these values. They have no idea what's going to hit them. Really don't. Because the moment I can speak to their pain point, they get receptive to anything else I say. I'm not going to say you have to do hop. I'm just going to position the ROI. Often I, I told somebody this idea where I was like, he was like, well, Eric, we will, these people are old. They won't use the system. And I, I just sold the idea of how he can print out the kappas and, and different ways and rhetoric he can engage people. And he said, huh, I'm realizing a lot of these ideas just simply aren't out there. And every day, every year, every time I sell... Every time I talk to someone, I'm not selling software. I'm helping the safety community position their value to people that have never heard or care about your procedures or protocols. So the better I get at that, then I will for sure consider going off. And, um, and this isn't just about environment, health, and safety operations. This is about the world. Like My goal would be that EHS may as well not have that title. It just have a very robust name, and people know these people as human enhancers. And that's why I love the hop movement. That, I would love a hop, sir. It doesn't exist, apparently. I've been looking around no. for it. <laughs> no, you're not going yeah, yeah, to yeah. find a legit one. You might yeah. go to a four-day training where somebody slaps a certificate. You're certified! Yeah, no, I would like one with a practicum. Um, but the good thing is I'm, I have some ways of doing about this. I'm partnering with a friend of mine who owns a plastic manufacturing company. And he'd been telling me his philosophies. I let him talk for two hours straight, and I was just taking notes. I'm like, uh-huh. I'm like, do you know there's something called hop out there? <laughs> and I told him this whole philosophy. And I'm like, man, I'd love – you can trust me. I'm your friend. I'd love to partner with you. So what I think I'm going to do behind the scenes too now, my education will be just I'll partner with people and, and, and gain their trust. And then I'll actually be able to hopefully participate in these processes. So again, there's empowered life hacks where I'm helping people individually that will work for organizations and be better parents and kids. And to actually empower organizations to have tools to have better conversations. And now there's my new goal on this side is where I'm becoming comfortable with people until I can ask them if I can actually help them make some decisions or propose ideas and, and position hop. So I'm like almost like a, a ghost that a lot of people don't really see. But hopefully, again, I have it written on my board. I'm here to help the many through helping the few. So if I can do that, then mission accomplished. Well, I was, I was going to ask you if you had a vision board. I was wondering if you did. <laughs> Actually, I'll tell you what's on my sales vision board, though. You know, I noticed a lot of people, for example, we, we refer to, we have a tendency in organizations to refer to people by their role or their title or their function, right? So for me, I like to refer to people by the what they drive or the outcome I want. So I have people that I'm trying to build more hearty communication with. I have their organizations below, but I say relationships that are blossoming. And it's not a flowery term. It's true because they didn't know me and now they're trusting me. So I put them there. And for the people that are really down and really like me and I've spoken to senior management, I put organizations I have trust and meaningful relationships with. So rather than – and I, I don't have a dollar figure. Often people put a dollar figure beside them. But by not having a dollar figure or their names, right when I look at these organizations in my mind, they're very human. Like, like um, X organization is a human and I have him on LinkedIn, and I'll never sell him or target him on LinkedIn for that. But I had him connect with me on LinkedIn because I said, hey, you're more than a VP of safety. I'm more than a sales guy. We both care about helping the youth. I will never target you on here for that, but I'd love to connect with you. And that's really what he – if he never goes with us, I don't care. You know, that's my job isn't to sell people. Again, my <laughs> job is to 
do everything I've been saying on this podcast, perform at a higher level with or without me. So that's how my vision board is pretty much sales oriented, but it's about having me connect to humans, not to money. Money will come. I know that, but, but people, people are transient. They leave. So I have to empower them before I can do anything. Eric, if people want to know more about you and what you're doing, where can they go to find out more? Sure. Uh, best platform is LinkedIn. Um, E-R-I-C, Eric Labance, L-A-B-A-N-C-Z. Um, empoweredlifehacks.com is our website. Um, I try and post things here and there, but we have a whole resource page per each episode. If you don't want to watch the whole 15 to 35 minute episode, I have timestamps. I have written the actionable tips and I even have a topic summary so you can learn about why this may matter to you. Well, Eric, I appreciate you coming on to the show today. Oh, man, you have no idea. This made my day. (laughs) (laughs) Want more of the Jay Allen Show? Go to safetyfm.com. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are those of the host and its guest and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of the company. Examples of analysis discussed within this podcast are only examples. They should not be utilized in the real world as the only solution available as they are based only on very limited and dated open source information. Assumptions made within this analysis are not reflective of the position of the company. No part of this podcast may be reproduced, stored in a retrieval system, or transmitted in any any form or by any means, mechanical, electronic, recording, or otherwise without prior written permission of the creator of the podcast, Jay Allen. Safety FM. Changing safety cultures. One broadcast and one podcast at a time. So do you feel like you're missing out on what everyone is starting to do now, that live streaming thing, and you don't know where to start or what to do? I have the resource and the information to provide to you in regards on how you can stream onto 40 social media platforms all at one time. Yes, that's 440 social media platforms all at one time. All you'll need to do is go to safetyfm.com forward slash one. That's safetyfm.com forward slash one. That's O-N-E. So just in case, and you'll be able to start live streaming just like you're hearing people starting to do right now up to 40 social media platforms.